Hey, what's up, my people? Welcome to today's show. Hope you're all safe and well, wherever you may be. And like always, let me begin by saying yes, we can still be found on social media, so why not give us a follow? The handle is kickback underscore Nadem, and we are on Instagram and on Twitter. And while you're feeling generous, don't forget to subscribe to the show as you wouldn't want to miss out on any of this fire weekly content now, would you? And now that's out the way. Let me tell you in advance, this will be a very special show, but you'll need to stay tuned for the duration if you want to find out why. But for now, let me introduce today's guest. He's recently retired, a former England international, and he has the most Premier League appearances of anybody in history. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy my conversation with the King of Hastings, Mr. Gareth Barry. The legend that is Gareth Barry is on my screen. I couldn't be happier. He's got a few more greys, but still kind of looks about 31, 32. <laughs> Does that seem about right? I'll tell you that, Nadam. I've had worse compliments. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. So how are you anyway? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. A couple of months into the retirement, so still getting used to that. Um, not missing it too much, but you know, there's a long winter ahead. I'm sure it's going to kick <laughs> yeah. in soon. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 say too much just yet. Don't say too much just yet. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna lead this. I know you've been the leader for the past twenty years, but I'm gonna lead this <laughs> conversation. All right. So if you do me the honor, I want to talk a bit about your career and some of the numbers involved in it, because let's be very very clear, it's, they're kind of outrageous. So. For some people that don't know, you didn't actually start your career. Well, you didn't come through Villa's Academy, did you? No, I'm uh, a lot of people presume I'm a Brummie uh, and I was born in Birmingham, but I'm from the South Coast. Oh. So I was a schoolboy at Brighton, uh, probably played there from 10 till 16. And yeah, that was when I, uh, when I left school. I made my move to, to Aston Villa. Were you... Um... Were you like one of the main players in that in that Brighton team then? Like, were you a big star there or not? No, not really. I was I was middle of the road, I'd say, uh, from from ten till fifteen, and then as soon as I hit fifteen that last year at school, I just I just seemed to find something, and the confidence came with it. And then, you know, as soon as I was training every day, when you, you know, is it the old school YTS? That was when it just, you know, I got to grips with the game and my, my game improved, you know, rapidly. And then when did you go to Villa? How many years after that point of coming in full time? Um, so, yeah, so 16, I left Brighton. To, as soon as I left school, I, I joined Aston Villa. So I was never training full time at Brighton. Oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah, done my, uh, done my YTS at Aston Villa. And... So you're being you're being humble here, like you are a humble person. But 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 you you talk like the trip from Brighton to Villa just happened for free. Did that not cost some money, no? Um, in what what in what? As in, did they not have to, to pay, pay for me? Yes, yes. Um, it's quite a strange story, really, because at the time, nobody cared about Gareth Barry. Sixteen, they, he had potential, but sort of nine months later when I'm making my first team appearance, yeah. <laughs> some, somebody wanted paying. And um, at the time I was, I was glad for Brighton because they were really struggling. Uh, um, and myself and Michael Standing and another lad who, who left with me, they ended up paying about a million pounds for, for both of us, which at the time they were, they were just about to go out of the football league. So it was, it was massive for Brighton and it uh, certainly helped them. And, you say it was one million. I thought I thought read online it was two point something. Um, well, maybe a million each. Or, oh, I don't it's know, one of those. You, you've got all the numbers in front well, of you. So. Listen, I'm just trying to see if you're a liar or not because I've got I've got the info. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting though you say that, and the one million now doesn't seem like much. But at that time, the transfer fee record in England was fifteen million. Okay. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, and that, that was for Alan Shearer or whatever. But that's a lot of money. Did you not feel any type of pressure with that at all? Um, I remember it made some headlines, yeah, because this was this was back when you know poaching stuff like that wasn't wasn't really around, and tribunals were just starting. So no, I just like anything you, you're getting judged on that on that football pitch. You know that made them, and oh, the, the money around it just it's, hey, it goes you, on top. People, you're going to annoy me for the next hour because like you're just so unbothered <laughs> by everything. <laughs> you know what ah, I mean? sorry, mate. we're all different aren't we yeah for sure so when you when you finally leave in the south coast then you're going up to birmingham like what were you feeling in that moment were you excited were you nervous or like what were you feeling 
Um, I was definitely nervous, but this is what I tell people. I was leaving a, a bedroom sharing with my three brothers okay. to go into a, <laughs> this lovely detached house and we were room on my own. So there was, there was a lot of perks at the end of it. So okay. yeah, the nerves and that leaving your family was tough, but I had good people around me straight away and settled in early. And what were your expectations then when you uh, when you first got there? Did you think I'm definitely going to be playing in the first team or do you think I'm just going to see what happens? No, I just, I couldn't have, uh, you, you just got to adapt day to day. But I, I had no sort of targets and I just got, got my head down, worked as hard as I could. And as I said earlier, my game just, from that day to day training, I've become stronger. Um, and yeah, I just, picked up things that you, you don't do unless you're training it day in, day out. It's funny, you, you talk about that mentality and that's, I love that mentality. I think that's the right mentality to have. But it's not necessarily a common one, especially around that sort of time because say when I was coming through, I remember hearing people who were like, say there was a guy who had played against in a youth cup game. Um, I won't say his name, but it was at Millwall. And he'd gone through the England youth system. He was under 16 international, under 17. And they just felt like, you know, I'm going to make it. I'm, you know, this is easy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. They did not kick the ball on the first team. Oh, I'm going to do this. Guy came on off the bench in a in a youth cup game. And this was the same guy who played for England. He played more games for England that year than he played for his youth team. And the guy was like, just give me the ball. Just give me the ball. Why do this? Just give me the ball. I was like, what's wrong with people? What is wrong with people? Yeah. I, I just think that's such an important age, you know, from your 15 till 18, it's, expectation on these the young lads and you know if you do take it if you do take it the wrong way and think you've made it you, you get caught up with you so quickly and you know you've you've not mentioned his name but he's going to be one of you know hundreds if not thousands of kids that you know yeah he's missing of that even that that same year that it would have happened to so exactly yeah and it's 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 it almost feels like it's a true understanding of how the game actually works i think for some so many years like when i asked about what you were like in the academy from 10 through 15 there were so many players where I was coming through who were being told, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one. And then you come in full time and like, you don't see them again? No, no. You know yeah, what I mean? The, the, the numbers are huge, aren't they? We don't yeah, have to say how many don't make it. So what was uh, Aston Villa actually like back then? Because obviously it's gone through a few transitions in uh, throughout your career. But what was, what was the club like back then? It was a, a massive club. Um, you know, massive names, Gareth Southgate, uh, Andy Townsend, Hugo Echiog, Mark Bosnich, Dwight York. So, you, you know, stars that I'd never, never even, you know, seen close up before in my life. And all of a sudden you walk in the corridors with him in uh, Bodymore Heath. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's a real eye, eye opener. And as soon as you get a taste of something like that, you, you just, you want a bit. And that, that strives you on to, to, to work even harder. So when did you feel like you belonged alongside them due to your performances? Was that quite soon from being there or did it take a while? Um, I made two two appearances at the end of that first season. The team were, were doing really well. Um, but, you know, I went away that summer not thinking, you know, that's me installed in the first team. Uh, yeah, I think maybe the next season when I... Uh, there's a story that you would have heard of David Unsworth when yeah. he signed at, at Aston Villa. Yeah. That he signed for two days decided that um, it, it wasn't for him and he thought Liverpool was closer and that pretty much threw me into the first game of the season and, you know, I didn't look back, honestly. So, yeah. Mr. Unsworth, I, I <laughs> just yeah. favour for too. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, something definitely worked, um, worked out for you because you ended up staying there for 12 years, which mm. is unheard of, really, in this day and age because I couldn't tell you, most people probably couldn't reel off, say, five, six players who are currently involved in this game where players have yeah. stayed for that long. Like I could say maybe uh, an old England teammate of mine, Mark Noble or whatever. But after that, I really don't know many at all. So like 12 years, 441 games, which is a hell of a lot of games. Like how many managers did you actually end up playing under? Uh, Aston Villa? Yes. Uh, I'm thinking about seven or eight. Seven or eight. Could you name them all? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could. Brian Little was the manager when I signed. John Gregory took over. Um, Graham Taylor, that's three. David O'Leary, four. 
No, 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 only, only five. Uh, <laughs> see, you hyped it up. You're a fraud. You're a fraud, mate. <laughs> you put me on the spot and I've delivered for you. I, I didn't want to go into too much detail, mate. <laughs> All right, let me put you on the spot further then. So who was your favourite? Yeah. Oh, I've got to go with Martin O'Neill. He, he got so much out of me. He made me, ca- he made me captain. He moved me into centre midfield permanently. Uh, I got in the England squad. Yeah, this, the, the three years I played under him, I was playing some real good football. So yeah. I'd have to go with him. It's funny you mentioned that time because I think this story which I'm going to tell now was from that era. Because the funniest thing about you is when I, when I first started in the league, um, 2004, <clears throat> and you were still there, it was, and you were still at Villa, it was like you were preset to be a minimum seven out of 10 every single week. And like, you're the only player I've probably seen like that throughout my entire career that like stands, that represents that in their team. Because, you know, you've got the Messi's, Ronaldo's, these people, so on and so forth, who score and whatever. But like in terms of actual performance, it was like impossible for you to be less than a seven out of 10. And it was quite annoying <laughs> when you were the opposition. It was quite annoying. But I was uh, like, yeah, this guy's legit, man. This guy's I think you're being a bit kind there. There's, there's got right, to be six the and a half, Six and a half out of ten. But it, was, yeah. it's, it just felt so consistent. With Villa were playing, Gareth Barry's playing, the captain's playing, captain's playing well. Like, that's That was just that whole era. But, you know, it's really, um, as I say, when I look back again, it's really insane to think about how many games you actually played for the club. And what do you reckon it was then that worked out so well for you to, in your time there? Um, I'm not too sure. I, I'd never have dreamed that I was going to play that many games. And it's funny you say that because I've been left for so long now. People tend to forget that <laughs> how long I was actually there and how yes. many games I played for them. Yep. It's almost, you know, Aston Villa was, was, wasn't really part of me. But yeah, those, those numbers are, are huge. But I just, I just took to, to, to being in the Midlands, uh, the people around me. Um, I, I put a lot to my youth team coaches, Tony McAndrew and Kevin McDonald, who, who really taught me what it was to, to, to become a footballer. You know, the traits you need, the attitude you need. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I pretty much carried them forward f- throughout my whole time at, uh, at Aston Villa. You go from being a young kid to, to being a man and captain at, at one club. And as you said, not not too many players uh, spend, that, spend that long. 12 years is probably going to be seen as a long career for someone. And you're talking about just 12 years at one team before yeah. going elsewhere. But anyway, in that time, I've already, I've obviously tried to massage your ego and said you played really well for periods of time, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. But we've played so well then, surely interest would have been there. So why did you end up staying for so long? Because with all due respect to Aston Villa, for as big a club as they are, in terms of their standing in the Premier League, the domestic success isn't actually that high. So why did you end up staying for so long? Was was no one else ever interested? Yeah, I would I would say that there, there was always uh, bits of interest flying around. You know, teams that were, could possibly seen as a uh, a little upward move. But you know, unless it was one of the big teams, I, I just didn't see that I needed to move. I was I was enjoying my football. I never really had a bad spell at the club, um, and you know, I never never felt uncomfortable and felt I wanted to leave. So. Um, yeah, I think that would that be the reason I wasn't going to make a sideward step for a, an extra few quid or, you know, a little upward step that you, you don't know the grass is always greener. That's the attitude I took. So, yeah, that would be the reasons. And, yeah, I can't say anything else. Other than that. I'll get you off the fence in a second. But anyway, so <laughs> with regards to um, to when Liverpool came in then, was Benitez the manager? Yes. And they were in Champions League? Hmm. How close did you come to going there? Because in the press, we read that you were unhappy or whatever. But was that actually the case? Was it close to happening or were you okay with it? Yeah, I was, I was never unhappy. I just, as I say, I didn't I didn't want to leave for anyone. But the time was right. You said I'd spent a long time at, at the club and Champions League, I, was, I, was, I wanted to play it. I wanted to start challenging for a, for a, for a trophy. You know, twelve years not winning a trophy. That's, you start thinking, you know, you, your time might be running out. Um, so yeah, I, I spoke to the club. I told Martin I knew I wanted to leave. Um, I told the chairman, and as as anything, they they said if the price is right and Liverpool can can pay 
the, the fee that, that they want, you know, I could leave. But uh, that that year, it was a <laughs> a long drawn out saga that you know really drained me over the summer. And yeah. um, you know, it didn't happen. They uh, they made several bids, Liverpool, but they couldn't uh, at the time. I don't think they had the money like they had now. Yeah. And they, they couldn't get the uh, the deal done, so it, it it fell through with a few sticky moments in between too. Yeah. So what what sort of uh, fee are we talking about here? Like a hundred mil, hundred and fifty mil, two hundred mil. <laughs> no, this is two thousand and two thousand eight, Nadam. Yeah. So, so how much was it then? No, was it fifty five, sixty. Um, I think they wanted eighteen million at the time. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool bid sixteen, seventeen, something like that. They said they would let me go for eighteen, and you know it just it just didn't happen. And um, it was one of them though. Once I know it, it wasn't happening, Martin Martin O'Neill was fantastic. He said to me, "Give me one more year, um, and you know if, if if there's still interest, you can leave." And and he stuck to his word. Yeah. I got my head down and, and possibly played my, my best season at the club that 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 year after. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Like, when when was your best season? But if you if you're telling us that already, then that's that's again says a lot about you, because I think a lot of players with that level of interest from such a big club like Liverpool, when they were you know as far as that's champion, did they win the Champions League that year, two thousand four? Um, the year before. I'm not sure. Maybe the year before. So that's you know I mean that's like a strong Liverpool side in Europe. So to miss out on that in quotation marks opportunity but then to then react by playing your best season for the club I would not wager that most people would be able to do that because I've seen toys fly out of a pram before <laughs> you know don't I mean? get me wrong but the, the, the toys uh, come out you know there's well documented that I'd done a, a, a newspaper article not happy with uh, Martin and Neil and the club and you know I got fined two weeks wages banned from the club for two weeks oh, so I was doing that that pre-season, I was doing uh, two weeks on my own. But, you know, once I knew where I was going to be for that season, I, I it didn't bother me. I, I was always going to give 100%. He stripped the captaincy off me, but, you know, I got my head down. And, you know, the fans will, will even tell you it probably was my, my best year. So, so then, at the end of that next year, why did you actually end up leaving and going to Manchester City? Um, Yeah, there was there was a bit more interest in me that that. That next year, there was there was a bit from Arsenal as well. Um, Liverpool were, were, were keen again, and people just presumed I, I was um, I was all ready to go to Liverpool. But you know, a few conversations with Rafa Benitez, he sort of put me off a tiny bit. He was talking about me playing, you know, the odd game at left back, the odd game at left midfield, um, and you know, for me, them days them days were gone. I didn't want to my career's been always about playing and I just wanted to, you know, cement myself in the, uh, in centre midfield. I, I got in the England, I was around the England squad regularly then. I didn't want to sort of miss out on them, uh, call ups either, you know, by playing a bit part. So I was slightly put off. And when I spoke to Manchester city, it was a different conversation that they're, they're telling me I'm coming in as the main man going to be playing regularly in, in centre midfield. And, as you know, you're at the club at the time, they and they they've I've I've said before, Mark, you said this is a a fast train, and <laughs> he I, was right. I, huh? think, I think you should get on it. He, he mentioned other players that that they wanted to sign, and you know, I just got excited with that, and the the feeling of being part of that squad that could possibly win the first trophy for many years. It, that that's in the end excited me more than going to Liverpool. Yeah, for sure. I was going to ask what your first impressions were like of City then when you actually first arrived there what, what were you thinking um well i went from a lovely new training ground at bodymore to, to yeah, the old school one, carrington yeah <laughs> and that dressing room you you can picture it but i'm thinking oh yeah uh, this isn't this isn't quite as plush here but you know that's the, the names started coming in i think i was one of the first to go into city that summer and the big the big names started arriving after it and to be honest the first two or three months that year were, were tough because there was a lot lot said uh, in the press about, you know, players just wanting this move for money. Yeah, There's yeah. no way th this team can gel. And the atmosphere in that change room was probably messy, wasn't it, with players that they were trying to get rid of too. So yeah. for me, a new player, I, I found the first couple of months quite tough, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And what were your expectations of yourself then when you did finally start to settle down? Did you think you were going to be... In fact, let me rephrase that. 
from when you arrived then and the train is in motion towards success, did you ever doubt yourself? Did you did you expect yourself to be part of that team or was everything just hunky-dory and you were just fine to just carry on? Yeah, I, uh, from day one, I, I realised the, the players they're signing, the squad, the players already had. It was, it was going to be a tough fight for me to, uh, you know, to keep that same sort of regular place in a, in a Premier League team. You know, one of the, one of the first interviews I remember doing with the club website was, you know, how how are you going <laughs> to keep your place in this team? And I was like, blimmin' out, people are probably doubting me already. But no, I just, as I always did, I come in, got on, got on with it, give it give it all and, you know, stay positive, stay positive around the club, around the, the, the changing room. And, you know, I, I, I felt, um, you know, part of, the, part of the club after the first five or six games once uh, once the fans saw what I could do. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, how did you find living in Manchester compared to Birmingham? But I don't necessarily want to have to alienate you from one part of your fan base. <laughs> so if you want to get off the fence and pick something, how would you answer that question if I was to say maybe ask you that question? How would I judge the cities or Yeah, like which which lifestyle was better for you? Um I think the Manchester one was a lot more relaxed. Being a being a villa being a villa player, it was, you know, walking down the street. I felt Birmingham was a bit more uncomfortable, you know, being the city centre. Manchester, I think with how United had done over the years, I think they'd seen it all, the big stars. It, yeah. They wasn't bothered about Gareth Barry. <laughs> Whereas Birmingham, they were a, a little bit more. So yeah. in, in that in that respect, I, I, I probably a bit more chilled life uh, in Manchester. But, you know, back on that fence, two great cities. Oh, mate. there we go. <laughs> two terrific cities. Terrific. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I couldn't. They gave me everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course, yeah. yeah. I won't. I won't let let you uh, compare London and Manchester, mate. I'll, I'll let someone else do that. <laughs> That's a <laughs> okay. We'll talk about that off the air. But anyway, yeah. So one thing at that time is I remember you made a huge difference because the club was in was in transition, and when you arrived, it did feel like we were heading in a completely new direction because you're. I always thought you were a really good player, but then when you came in, I could see exactly how good you were. And players like you coming in through the door start to raise the standard and not just on the training field, but just off the training field as well. What it was to be a to be a professional, to be a successful professional, to be able to be out there, to be great and to, to win games. Because it was only maybe a couple of years earlier. I think we um yeah, it's a couple of years earlier, I think at City, we went through the second half of the season where we scored two goals at home. You know what I mean? Like to compare yeah. that city to the city when you arrived. And then to the city when you left, like it's two completely different worlds. But one thing, yes. as I say, which ran throughout was you get a lot of love from your teammates. They won't go up to you and start kissing you saying, oh, you're the best and whatever. But whenever people ask about the favorite players to play with, your name's always in the conversation. And you, so you're always acknowledged by the majority. But it's not necessarily always the case from the outside, from fans and things yeah. like this. But well, you know you're worth because, you know, you're self-aware. You know you're worth because people tell you you're good. But did you ever feel like you, you deserve to be acknowledged more for what you did? And did you ever want that? Um, Everyone loves, I'm not going to say it's not nice to be loved, is it? Everyone yeah. likes to be loved. But you, you've summed it up there. I, I knew my worth. I, I knew, uh, listen, managers have picked me for 20 years from, from the start of games. It, that's all that I trained to do I wanted to be in that team on a Saturday and you know I achieved that for, for 20 odd years mm-hmm. um, but for you to say that the, the teammates have, I think they knew what, what my job was um, but yeah I just felt that was part of my makeup you know be good around the place be positive you know when times are tough you know just, just keep chipping away it's you know it's important roles that people don't realise you know players have to play in the dressing room I, I just think they're a bit understated and you know that that was pretty much uh, how I saw my personality and my role and even with you on the field as well so you're one of those guys where people the highlight reels to see big tackles and stuff like this but the job that people would rather play with someone someone doing which they'd rather play with is somebody puts the fire out at the beginning the fact you don't have to make a tackle because you're in the right spot and I think for the two, three years I played with you, I think you were in the right spot for probably 99.9% of the time. <laughs> and I thought, this, yeah. is, this is joyous. This is joyous. Because yeah. like, looking at tackles is great. But say for me personally, as the defender as well, if I don't have to make a tackle, 
Like it means I'm doing my job. Yes, because you're controlling yeah. everything else around you. And you were somebody who was great at that. But unfortunately, it's not something that people necessarily want to watch on their social media timeline, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and that, that didn't bother me at all. I was just, I just wanted to win football games. And if you come off that pitch having won the game, you, you've got the best smile and you're having, the, you're having a nice weekend at home. And that, that's, that's all I cared about. But yeah, yeah that two, a good two, two to three years, that defensive midfield role is where I really felt, you know, I was, I, I was playing some really great football. So then... Obviously, you're playing well, but then how did it feel when it was mission accomplished and you finally you were finally lifting domestic silverware for the first time? How did that feel? It was it was more relief, to be honest. It was I remember being at Wembley when we won the FA Cup. It was it well, was just relief. I'm talking, about, yeah. I'm talking specifically yeah. about the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just relief. I was like, wow, finally done this. You know, it's been 11, 12 years. You know, playing professional football. You, you're getting close to 13. You've not not won a trophy so relief's definitely the word I'd use but um, you know delighted to have done it at Manchester City as well where people had doubted the, the reasons why I'd gone there mm-hmm. and uh, you know to end the, it, well I can't remember how many years Man City won a trophy no, it, was, it was a lot it was a lot my been, friend it was a lot <laughs> to have been part of that team was you know it sort of, it sort of you know relief justified my move and you know made me a really happy bloke do you ever um because you keep mentioning people who were naysayers and doubters. Like, do they inspire you or do you just hear it and then wait till something happens and then say, ha look at me? <laughs> I've always used uh, negativity and things like that to prove people wrong, yeah. And, it, it, you know, it, I was never bothered from it, but uh, you, you've you got to use everything you can. Yeah. <laughs> you're about, you're you've got to use everything yeah, you can. I remember what you said <laughs> yeah, 16 yeah. years ago on that Wednesday. I Remember. Yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember everything. <laughs> no, but use everything you can to get the best out of you. So after winning the FA Cup that season, what was it then, the season after, that happened to the club that all of a sudden meant that you were competing and actually ending up winning that title? What was a significant change? I think the biggest, it was that, it was the semi-final beating, uh, for me, Man, Man United at Wembley in the FA Cup. It, it just gave. I remember Patrick Vieira giving the, the lads a, a speech before the game about believing in ourselves, things like that. The the, you know, the Patrick Vieira that that had done everything. Yeah. And once we'd beat them, I just think it gave that that squad the belief that you know we can go on next year and win the, the Premier League. And the, the way we started the next season, we certainly bounced off that FA Cup win, and you know we started on fire and. Obviously, the season was a, was a roller coaster, but um, for me, that one that one game and winning that trophy was was the uh, got the ball rolling. I think it's, it's it's a sign of like football privilege to say that it was a roller coaster journey to win a title. Listen, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Oh, we won again this week. Oh no, I'm so stressed. It was only by one goal this week. But no, I know, I know what you're trying to say, and fair play to you all, because I was just about there at that time, and you all worked very hard for that title that year, and you could see the confidence. Yeah. But you might you showed up every single week, which 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 is huge, and to be crowned the best team after 38 games in one of the most competitive leagues in the world, you know, yeah. it doesn't happen by accident. It's not a fluke. Um, do you think this? I don't know how you take this, but do you think being at City, on going to City, made you a better player? Or do you think you were just the same player, but just in that system? Um, I think I, I was playing a different role at Manchester. I was as a, I was that defensive midfield. I was never that Aston Villa, but being around those players, I just I just understood my role, and you know I I felt playing with them suited me massively at, at that time in my career. And um, yeah, I, think, I know the Man City supporters will speak well of me and uh yeah I, I don't think i improve as a player no <laughs> there we go <laughs> I was like, get off the fence say something <laughs> say something just, just fill it just fill in space that uh yeah so um as a uh yeah uh you won't expect me to come in here and be in a different person you know well i was trying because you're retired now you know what i mean this isn't this mm. is one of those this is one of those interviews where like we're not trying to catch you out we're just trying yeah. to hear you talk about yourself. Yeah, no, I don't think I improved as a player. I was playing a different role and understood the role. And, 
you know, I've done it, done it well. It's yeah, it's crazy to looking back then at that team because there were players who were playing. Like they've got, I would say you're a very good player. There were other very good players in that team, but everybody was just doing their role. You know, nobody was going above and beyond for what was required of them as such, but they were recruited to do a particular role for that team. But you all did it so well and you did it so much better than everybody else. And even little things like, which blew my mind, when I was with Patrick, I think in a preseason tour one time, he told me one of his biggest regrets and it just, it blew my mind because that's when I really started to understand the true importance of just, you know, what is your job in that team? If you can do your job, then, you know, you, the team can prosper. And he said, his one regret, one of his regrets was that he wished he kept it simpler. He said, and I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him square in the face. I'm like, you're Patrick Vieira and you're telling me that you wish you kept it simpler. So yeah. then I said to myself, why do I try anything? I'm just going to defend and I'm going to roll the ball to GB. This is my <laughs> job from this point forward. <laughs> you took that advice on. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm doing my job. If you do, if I do mine and you do yours, well, we're flying. But if I say, yeah. oh, look, there's a, like, you've seen the way football is now. Defending isn't even seen as like an important trait anymore for defenders. It's like, yeah, yeah. but, but, but. Can he, can can he, he play this? the outside of the outside of the left foot through ball from sixty yards away? You've got that, mate. Oh, mate, I may have it, but it's not coming out. <laughs> tell you that for free. I'll tell you that. For yeah, free. that's the game. The game's changed, isn't it? You've 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 seen it from a certain era to now. It's it has changed. Yeah, completely. And I don't like. It's good in some ways, but it's just not what I'm used to seeing. You know what I mean? Like, just stop the ball going in your goal. That's. Objective we want, one. We love the crunching tackles, don't we, mate? Wow. They go in. Yeah, really. I know you do. You, you love the <laughs> yellow as well. You love the yellow as well. <laughs> exactly. So then it looks like you settled in, you're doing well, you're winning trophies. So then what actually happened for you to, to make you leave the club? Um, I was on holiday. I remember it well. I was with James Milner. We are in America somewhere. I just got a phone call from the agent just saying, oh, uh, new manager Pellegrini's come in and you know he, he doesn't fancy you um, <laughs> decent, decent, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah my holiday was uh, half ruined but my, you know you, your heart sinks and think bloody hell yeah. what am I going to do now but my my initial thought was you know what go and meet the manager show him what show him what you can do pre-season and you know turn it turn it round but you know I think he had made his mind up, whether it was him or the club. Um, I had a great pre-season. I was walking off the train and speaking to Pellegrini saying, come on, surely, <laughs> surely you don't think I'm fifth choice midfielder here. And, you know, he just stuck to it and said, you know, I wouldn't be needed. Um, I look back a little bit and think, should I have, you know, fought a bit harder and said, no, I'm not leaving. I'm going to see this out even if I'm not making squads. Because football can change, can't it? Yeah, it can. But I, I've always felt I, I want to be where I'm wanted, and that was pretty much where my head was. And Everton came in. I spoke to Martinez, and he wanted me. Manchester City didn't, so uh, that was it. I was off. That's crazy. And you yeah. said you, you kind of, you wonder if you should have stayed and fought and stuff. But you've seen yourself to so many people. Some of these fights aren't fair fights doesn't matter how well you do. Sometimes it's just like, nah. Like I've seen people be the best player in training for a month, two months, three months. Because yeah. they don't even make a squad. You yeah. know what I mean? So, no, it, I, I gave it, I gave it, I gave myself the preseason to prove the manager. And I think I proved to him that, um, you know, he was wrong, shouldn't let me go. And even the, the next season, I'd, I had a very good season at Everton, so and I, I spoke to people at the club that they felt I should I should have stayed, but you know that's football. And in the end, I was I was uh, I was happy to have gone to Everton because I, I enjoyed my time there too. Um, just to deviate for a second, uh, with regards to those phone calls, because you were in America. I remember I was in America when I got told I have to leave City as well. But I was I, wish- uh, I was on day one of my honeymoon in San Francisco, and we oh. we just went up on a in a helicopter, going around the bridge and so on. Landed, so oh, I've got a missed call, ah, oh, and a voicemail. So I was like, oh, you know, top of the world, oh, nearly way, oh, everything's great. So I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, just gotta just call to tell you, uh, you know, uh, Roberto doesn't want you here, so uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find yourself a new club. I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> 
Right. Did you tell the missus or not? What's that? Did you tell the missus or not? Yes, I think she kind of knew something was up when I was trying to dive into the bay. I think she knew there was a problem. But oh, even from then, I was like, I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm going to stay. I'm going to, I'm just going to work hard in preseason, see what happens. And then yeah. stage two. So now I'm back in England and we're at Centre Parks with all our friends. And this was the Saturday before preseason. We're going to start on the Monday. And then um, I got a text from Claire Marsden, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, oh, you know, uh, training actually starts on the following Saturday, I think she said instead of the Monday. I said, like, oh, we've got more time off. Great. Then I went, oh, hang on a second. So I text Mike and said, oh, when, when do you start preseason? You said, oh, just on Monday. <laughs> 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 so, so you guys, this was 2011, the start of the 2011 season. So you guys yeah. came, trained from Monday through Friday, left for America, and then myself, Bridgie, <laughs> Adebayo, yeah. all these, and we turned up start training with the 16s on a Saturday. So I was like, ah, okay. Okay. It's mental, yeah. yeah so that's, that's, the, that's the part people don't realise that it goes on. Oh, <laughs> my head my head was spinning, did not know where I was going because I thought oh, I'm gonna yeah. try, I'm gonna work really hard, you know, try and get my try and get into his good books. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> he's on the other side of it the world. Literally he's on a different time zone, mate. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so you you picked Everton, Martinez said he wanted you. They were obviously playing expansive style of football then, you know, it's probably the new, more expansive Everton compared to say the successful time that Moyes had there, but they weren't necessarily known yeah. as like a footballing, footballing team. But yeah. What were their hopes and ambitions as a club at that time when you went over there? Uh, they didn't. They just wanted to improve. They didn't set any targets. We want to do this, we do that. But he was just a young, exciting manager with this style of play that uh, he just... I've never had a manager believe in me as much as uh, Roberto Martinez really? did. Okay. Uh, he, he he believed I could do everything, which if a, if the manager's telling you that, that breeds your confidence even for someone who was already, you know, really experienced. So, and, you, you know, he got me doing stuff on a pitch at 32, 33 that I hadn't never done before. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was really good to work under. And what was it about the club then that... that- so let me rephrase that. So Sylvain Distan and quite a few others, they say they they loved their time at the club, like really yeah. loved it. Was it like a fans thing? Was it the dressing room? Like what is it about the place that makes it so, make people, you know, speak so highly of it? Yeah, it was, Everton had that tra- tradition. It, the history was already there and I, I loved playing for clubs like that. Like that. But, you know, once you go into into that training ground, the masseurs, kit men, they've got the Everton tattoos. It's their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the, uh, the, the kitchen ladies, if you, you go into Liverpool, they know you've been in there. It's, it's, that, sort of, <laughs> it's that sort of place. It's, it's quite different to anywhere else you've been. And, you know, it's most, most training grounds you feel after a defeat, you feel it. But Everton, you, you, you just get that sense you felt it that that bit more yeah. <laughs> the kid didn't clean your boots just for as well that, that weekend just little stuff like that you, you know I feel it felt it hurt them that bit more so uh, yeah that's the way I'd probably sum it up so I meant to ask this before but how did you feel then when you'd go and play against your old teams were you like doubly motivated or did you always just see it as like just being another game I think you are uh, doubly motivated yeah if, if you can um, you, you, you want to prove Proves people, uh, you know, why have you let me go? Obviously, that first season I was only on loan, so I couldn't play against Man City. But the following year, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I'll show you definitely. Yeah, but I think it's natural instincts for any any sportsman. And did you ever score against your old teams? Um, you shouldn't take too much. It's not like you scored that many goals. <laughs> mate. Hey, hey, hey! I don't, I don't think I did. No, I don't think I did. Well, if you did, do you think you would have celebrated? No, I wouldn't have celebrated, no. You are such a fraud. You would have done for a fact. No, I don't think I would have done. You'd have, you, do you know what you look, do you know what your type of person you are? I think you'd be the type that run up to like the fans of the opposition and kiss the badge. I think you're one of them, just to trigger people. You know, Nadem, I'm proud to say, never I've kissed never the badge. kissed the badge and I've never thrown my shirt in the crowd, mate. Which, <laughs> I which, love that. I know you have. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's a lie. I've, I too, and, even as a City fan, I've never kissed the badge. I've never done okay. it. Okay. I've never and done the it. reason is I've, I've not got the body to take my shirt off. Well, yeah, there is that. There is that. <laughs> to be fair, people like Micah, he was always good for a shirt swap and a shirt exactly. takeoff, wasn't he? There's always reasons for oh, it. Cameras, cameras over here, guys. Cameras over here. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So anyway, this Everton ended up being another club where you became a fixture in the team, you know, and you stood for the values, how they wanted to play, what they were like off the field and so on. So one thing that kind of blows my mind again is after the 2015-16 season where you were fans player of the year and players player of the year, how is it then that the year in 2017, you're leaving the club again? Like, surely you should have stayed, you would have stayed for longer? Yeah, it was... uh a strange sort of uh, what happened. Ronald Ronald Koeman, who had played with the year before, really good relationship. He didn't want want me to leave the club. I got on really well with him. Um, but you know, I heard a, li- a few little things as you do in football that your name's getting thrown about. In um, I think they were trying to sign Michael Keane at the time. Uh, you know, your name's getting thrown in a little switch deal and oh. stuff. Little things like this. You know, little things going on behind the scenes. Um, so it sort of rocked, rocked me a little bit, thinking, oh, "Hold on a minute! I thought I was I was here for another year, and yeah. I was looking forward to playing." And the, the mindset I've already spoken to before in, in this uh, in this conversation that you know, if I'm not if I'm not wanted, I'll I'll see what else is out there. Um, and you know, West Brom. There's a couple of other teams. Burnley were interested. West Brom. Um, and I was I was always planning on moving back to the Midlands. And, you know, that the chance came up. Tony Pulis was uh, playing his style of football, which, you know, I felt being <laughs> an Asian an Asian defensive midfielder might, um, might suit me a bit. So, you know, I, 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 went, I went for that for that move. That's funny. You, so for people who play, what you've said makes perfect sense and you know the detailed nature around it. Tony Pulis was playing his style of football. Yeah, but there are lots of people who maybe don't know Tony Pulis or what his style of football stands for. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into the specifics of it because I don't want to be on record describing it because it might sound like I'm trying to bash it or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, Tony, Tony Pulis <laughs> has his style of football. So yeah. yes. So and I thought 37 that might suit me. <laughs> yeah. So with all due respect, anyway, to West Brom or West Bromwich Albion, in that moment, they were a long way away from the highs that you'd experienced at other clubs. So how exactly yeah. did you get your head around now being in a side which is fighting relegation where it was only a few years pre- prior, you were, you know, essentially going for trophies? Yeah, it was, um, it was never in my head that I was going to be fighting um, relegation. It was, you know, they'd been you know, a stable club for for a good few years and, you know, they were, they were mid-table regulars and I, I just felt I could, could go there and enjoy that playing week in week out um you know trying to fight for the for the top half of the table um as you know things can can change quickly and you know <laughs> 15 games later you, you find yourself you know nearly in the bottom three and yeah it was it was a shock to the system because again experienced player if you've not experienced that situation it's it's tough to deal with yeah. at, at any level yeah it is tough and that's more of a roller coaster that i can uh I can empathise with, but how did you personally perform that season? Seeing as though it's like a whole new scenario for you, pretty much the same as the team. You know, started really well. We we picked up points. Um, you know, in a good position, but we we sort of went on a, a mad run. And you know, no matter, I I never judged my individual. I was never one if if the team lost for me. I've I've had a bad game here. I was never. You, you never think anything else. You can't yeah. be thinking off the pitch. Oh, we've lost today, but you know I've done my job quite well there. Mm-hmm. It was in a, it was in a run of, uh, of of bad results, and yeah, the next next thing you know, you, you, the confidence in the whole team as well as yourself is is completely shook. So yeah, it was uh, another real tough learning curve right at the end of your career. <laughs> For real, did you uh, did you would you say you felt more pressure when you had to win games to win the league or win games to try and stay up? <sighs> Uh, more pressure. Unbelievable question, mate. Which oh, yes, tough yes. answer. Yes, yes. There we go. Um, yeah, I think I think there's more pressure. You know that that them last games trying to win the t- title. I'd say the uh, it was more pressure there. Yeah, but uh, obviously different types. Yeah, because what to, to what I'd say. Obviously, I've not really experienced pl- trying to win a title. I've done something in championship, but not that. When you're at the bottom of the Premier League, the pressure's on to win games, but you've got no 
you're kind of jaded because you've got no memory of winning games. So you yes, go in yeah. knowing you have to win, yeah. but you haven't won for a month. <laughs> no, there's no I mean? confidence to believe you can. Like yeah, if you could, if you could step away and look at it logically, there's no reason for you to believe that you can win this game or you should win this game. But you yeah. always look at fixtures and say, "This is the game we should win. That's the yeah. game we should win." You've won five games all season. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I know, and it 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 takes its toll on on the individuals that are down there battling and speaking to the lads that have experienced championship and uh, regular seasons battling that they're just like, oh, I much prefer winning games in the championship than, yeah. you know what I mean, playing in the Premier League at the yeah. lower level. And that's... It sounds wild. It's about it's, winning games. It's, uh, yeah, it sounds like literally. everyone wants to be playing in the Premier League, but it, it takes its toll on individuals. For sure. And I was one of those before I went to QPR where I never understood why people celebrated finishing fourth bottom in the Premier League and never got in. Yeah. I said, these people look like idiots. Yeah. And I was in that space and you feel the pressure for the whole year. <laughs> Yeah. The relief, the relief yeah. when you stay up. But it was kind of like the year when you won the league, 2012. I was obviously at QPR. And yeah. the difference I said is that in your dressing room, you had champagne. In ours, we had beers. By the way, still alcohol, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, relief, isn't it? And then you're like, yeah. have you achieved something? No, you know you haven't achieved anything, but... but It's a different type of achievement though, isn't it? Yeah, because you're people keep their jobs. If you do exactly. that, people keep the jobs, you keep your salaries, exactly. and you get, still get the chance to go and play in some of the biggest and best stadiums and against some of the biggest and best teams. Yeah. Because And you never know what the next season brings unless you yeah. get yourself relegated and you know that it's going to take you at least two years to get back to the Premiership. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, unfortunately, you went down. So how did you actually find that next full season in the Championship? Yet another new experience for you. Yeah, on the back of, you know, probably the, the darkest sort of moment of your, your career, relegation, in my mindset was, you know, I want I want to be part of this squad now that takes West Brom back up. I wasn't interested in like jumping out, jumping out. <laughs> I don't want to be a championship player. I wanted to be part of that uh, squad and uh, take West Brom back up. But mm. I really I really enjoyed uh, that next season. Um, again, you, you get that confidence back, playing regularly, winning games, and all of a sudden, you, you know, <laughs> the enjoyment of football's there. That more. <laughs> Um, but you know that season I, I picked up a, a niggle right at the end when the playoffs were around and I just I, I felt I was still at a level that I could have uh, affected the game to, to maybe take West Brom up but mm. you know, the injuries slowly started creeping in which you know I couldn't I couldn't moan about because I'm 38 now <laughs> yeah, well yeah so I was going to say come on now how much do you want but yeah, exactly. one thing anyway for as much as you enjoyed that season it still didn't feel right seeing you without a Premier League logo on the sleeve because that's not yeah. that's not you like to see a Gareth Barry shirt with a championship thing on the side that's like that's a counterfeit shirt <laughs> that's literally uh, not a thing that's really I shocking. appreciate that but I took I took no shame in playing the championship no there's, listen there's no shame <laughs> there's no shame it's a career but you nah and one constant anyway throughout your career is the fact that you've been healthy, you've been important for the team and you've played a lot of football, so much so that you're now the all-time appearance leader in the Premier League. Six, with 653 games, is it? Yeah, That's the one, mate, yeah. First things first, a little flex. Like, how does it feel being number one? And don't downplay it and say it's nothing because I know you're lying. <laughs> I'm massively proud of that achievement, mate. I'm not, I can't play that one down. Think of all them... All them players that have played in the Premier League, and yeah. you know my name's on the top of the appearance maker. You know I, I can't. I'm going to do well to play that one. Down, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, yeah. I'm, I'm massively proud. Because like, I'm 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 quite humble. But if 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 I had that accolade, I'd just be going out to people and say, "Oh, do you remember? Uh, you remember Ryan Giggs? Bit, yeah, Ryan Giggs. Yeah, yeah." I was like, "Yeah, I played more than him. Yeah, you remember? Oh, you remember Frank?" Frank Lampard? Yeah, yeah, I played more than him. You know what He's I mean? number three on the list. Yeah, it's cute. Uh, three's good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so how did it feel then when you knew you were getting close to being number one? Did you feel any pressure then? Or was it something that was just, just going on in the background? Um, yeah, once once I got close to 600 games, it was, yeah, I, I want to beat this this record now. I want to I get past Ryan Giggs's tally. Um, yeah, I never felt the pressure because, you know, once... It's another game, it, and then once you're out on that pitch, I remember the game at Arsenal when I, when I got past the record. You, you don't once you're away, you don't think of that one bit until after the game, and you know 
we lost them. <laughs> you got it. You've, you've achieved something massively, but you've lost the game of football, and you're like, oh, I should be celebrating, but yeah, you've lost, you've lost the game. It's it's mental how things work, isn't it? Do you know, it's individual so, things in in team games. Yeah, for sure. It's so funny as well that I've just realised now this the content you just gave us is limited to maybe five people, six people, as far as Premier League history goes, to hear what it's like to cross over and be number one. Like, that's... So few people can talk about that because most people never get anywhere near it. But speaking yeah. of which, actually, is there anybody that's playing currently who you think has a good chance of potentially catching you? I think you'll know the answer. There's only one, um, that's James Milner. How far away is he um, um, he's around 550 games. Oh, okay. Um, and you know him, he's a, he's a machine, isn't he? Oh, so relentless, yeah. he, we all look after ourselves and the bodies, but he's, he's a different, different level. Huh? But yeah. <laughs> I think if, if he doesn't do it, then it, it, it'll be a record that could stand for a long time because yeah. the, the game's changed now. It's, it's probably harder for the young kids to get in mm -hmm. early and play regularly. Mm -hmm. It's incredible, really, anyway, the, the fact that you are number one. But do you think you actually get enough credit for it? Um, I think so, yeah. Enough for me, mate. Enough for me. <laughs> oh, God, look at this what, guy. Just flex on him. Just say no. People should I'm, respect I've me. Un, I've been an underrated player throughout my career, if you like, haven't I? Yeah. Which I sort of suits me, helps my character, and... I don't say I've uh, I've had plenty of praise over over the career. Yeah, you probably deserve some more though. But anyway, from a health <laughs> perspective, I remember when we were at City, and I think you were just about to hit thirty, or you may have crossed over to thirty already. We were training together. I think you hurt your hamstring, and I looked at you and I was like, "Kissing my teammate and friend." When I was like worried, I was like, oh, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And he's like, ah, "This is a bit sore." Ah. I was like, oh, is this, have you had these before? And you said, no, I've never had a hamstring injury before. I was like, ah. <laughs> As somebody who's had loads of hamstring injuries, I was like, oh, you, you'll be okay, you'll be okay, trying to, you know, like calm your nerves. Yeah, you're lying to me. No, well, but then I asked, I asked you how long you're going to be out for, and you said you were probably going to be out for a week. And I was like, a week, okay. And you still look concerned, and I don't understand why you're concerned. And he said it's because that's the longest you've been out for in your whole career. And I was at 30 years of age. If I, I could have, if I could have volleyed you into the river, I swear down I would have done. So I listen to this man here crying about a week. Most people can't I get... I do remember that conversation yeah, very well. Most people, like, a week? A week? You're 30 years old, and you're, you're going to miss a week? I know. I remember thinking this guy is different. He's built from something different because, like, that's a dream come true if I get injured and they tell me it's a week. But anyway, yeah. So, to emphasize the point now, I'm going to attempt to do some math. Yeah. Yes. Bear with me on this, okay? And I'm going to be. <laughs> this is yeah. This yeah. People will get it. So, you've always been good for big distance in games that you've played. Yeah. So you would be usually in the top three total distance covered in a game. Remember at yeah. City, you you tend to hover between like 11 to 12 and a half kilometers a game, yeah? Which, yeah. for my American fans, that's 7.46 miles. Don't worry, I've done the conversions, yeah? <laughs> that's just seemed like standard for you. But let me be conservative and say that, let me try and work this out. So if you were to have run 10 and a half kilometers, which is um, 6.52 miles per game, yeah? That's being conservative, yeah. 10 and a half. That means that, you know, you're taking it easy. 10 and a half is like, you've got a cigar and slippers on. But yeah, if you were to do that for your 832 club games, that would mean that you have covered 8,736,000 meters, yeah? Yes. Which is 5,428 miles, yeah? Which is- Where's this, that taking me? This <laughs> is the equivalent of running from New York to Los Angeles and yeah. back. And that's just in games. <laughs> Mate, have a break, have a breather. <laughs> Relax. Oh, you're making me feel old now, Mate, mate. <laughs> this forget old. That's some workload, by the way. That's insane. Yeah. And like I said, no, that's I me being conservative. That's me being conservative. That's New okay. York to LA and back is probably yeah. the minimum in terms of how far you've covered just, just in games. Just in, I like the way you painted that picture, mate. I love that picture. Listen, it's all, about, it's all about storytelling on this show. You yeah. know what I mean? You just bring them in little by little. You do conversion <laughs> so that everybody understands the language you're speaking. But 
Yeah, I hope I've made my point. I hope people understand how important every single one of those meters or yards or whatever was for a team because they were invaluable. But anyway, looking back then, throughout your career, do you have any regrets? Um, No, I don't think you can have regrets. You have low points and uh, regrets, no. (laughs) Look at this guy. He's prepared. He's he's gone through this before. (laughs) So from what you were as a prospect then at Brighton, would you say that you've gone above and beyond what your expectations would have been for what others would have expected from you in your career? Yes, massively, massively gone for it. How about for yourself? What did you expect from yourself in your career? Do you, have you, have you surpassed that? Um, yeah, I think I have. Why did you actually stop playing the game? My knee, I was still felt really fit, but my, my, I had an operation on my knee and it just couldn't get quite right to, to get to the level I, I, I wanted to play at. So if you didn't have this knee issue, you would still be playing? 100%. This yeah. guy loves it too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't want to go into coaching, so I've always said play as long as you want. All right. So when would you say your best year was? Like when were you at your absolute best? Trying to separate yourself from the team for a second. And just think yeah. you personally, when was your best? I would say my last year at Aston Villa. Really? So that was yeah. 2009, was it? 2008, 2009 season, I think, yeah. Okay. So now you've... Um, actually, no, no, no. Let me ask a different question. So what do you think it was? about you as a person, you as a player that actually helped you stay at the highest level for so long? Um, I just, I think the one thing I always done, it, I never bothered about what you'd done previous. Just keep looking forward. You, you're going to get judged on your next performance. That was always my mindset and you know I wasn't one of them that had a good game and then went and watched it over and over again I was like that's gone yeah you played well you played bad you're getting judged again and that's pretty much my mindset for throughout my career okay and now you've stopped how are you actually finding retirement um I'm enjoying it um I'm enjoying the lions and my own control in my own diary but you know it's still early so I'm conscious that there's yeah. going to be a time I'm going to want something else, but you know, we'll see. So at this point anyway, then what do you miss the most? I miss the, uh, which, which is probably helping me. I miss the atmosphere and the crowds, right? Okay. the the adrenaline okay. and seeing the, uh, the games at the moment is quite sad, isn't it? So I probably retired in that respect and I'm getting away with it. Well, believe it or not, the reason I ask is because I'm going to be joining you very, very soon. So my game this weekend, weekend against uh, Kansas City, since we yeah. didn't make the playoffs, will be my last and final one as a professional. So, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Whoa, hold on a second. You're too young. You're too young. Nah, hey, 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 hey. It's not necessarily about age. It's not necessarily about age. It's about just no, how you feel right, when you're yeah. doing what you're doing. And yeah. I need to know, have you got any tips for me? Because you know you're fresh out of this, so you're the you're the closest example I can have. Obviously, I've not run from New York to LA and back, but yeah, you know I've maybe run from maybe New York to Florida or something and just stayed there. Maybe that's that's how far I've run in comparatively. But yeah, have you got any tips for me? I think you've got to enjoy it, mate. You've got to enjoy your retirement. Do that. Do things that you've not been able to do. Get in a routine that you've not been able to do. Like like I've just said, controlling your own diary. Mm-hmm. Um, You've been told, as I was, what to do and what to wear and what time to be for for twenty years. Yeah. I, think, I think enjoy enjoy those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I I spoke to so many players about retirement and got so many different answers. So it's it's going to be the Nadem yeah. the Nadem Manure way. I think. I think for me, as it's be me, I I think I reached a point where I can't wait to start the rest of my life. You know the stuff yes. you were saying about scheduling. And this, that, and the other. Like some people, they live and die for that stuff. To be told where to be at what time. To be told what to wear. But with having my three kids and the life that I have with my wife and three kids and to be whatever. Like I kind of got to a point where I love days off more than I do training days. 
You know? That's a sign, isn't it? Yeah, like training <laughs> is good and it's fun. But yeah. I love, like the game's fun. I can do the game. I can play the game just fine. Yeah. But to know I can spend time with my family and to create my own schedule on that day, like those are the those are the best days for me at the minute. I know but, that feeling when you when you've done that last session. You know you got the day off. Yeah, after. It's, special, it's a nice man. ride home. Isn't it? Oh, mate, it's dreamy. It's like what are we going to eat tonight? Everything <laughs> that just makes no difference. Yeah. But anyway, back to you. Back to you again. I snuck that announcement out. But anyway, back to you. Are well, there any moments? Congratulations on your career, Nadam. If that's the first time it's out there, that's you're the first person to officially hear this. Apart from producer Ryan, just to the side here, he's crying. Now. Yeah, he's shedding real tears because I'm because I'll be leaving. But it is what it Congrats, is. Congrats, mate. Thank you. But anyway, back to you. This is like I don't want to talk about me. You don't want to talk about you. But here we are talking about each other. But anyway, are there any moments you wish you could relive in your career? It'd have to be the title win, I think. That's um it was one of them days that are just a blur and you'd like to relive it again and just slow it all down and <laughs> it went so quickly, you're waking up the next day and it was all over. It's that's the one I'd relive, yeah. Do you know with that game obviously being on the field with you in, in that moment? Yes. You guys were a shambles for about 20 minutes, but that's like, Faye just drifted away into history now. It doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's, a, it's incredible what, what gets forgotten sometimes, oh, for real, isn't it? For real, I remember Mancini on the sideline cursing. Every Italian curse word was flowing onto the field. Yeah, Every I've single seen, one, he was killing his team. Ah, I've seen the this, footage. Mate, the next thing is Aguero. Best moment in the club's history. But anyway, are there yeah. any... Are there any memories you'd like to erase? Um, the two low points would probably be the relegation West Brom that that, that hit me hard, and the uh, the one World Cup I went to, losing to Germany. That was they were, they were tough moments. Which which year was that? Was that twenty ten? Twenty ten, yeah. In South Africa. Yes. Um, what would you say your greatest achievement was? I think it's got to be the appearances, isn't it? Yeah, that's because yellow are... card. The yellow, yellow cards is impressive, but I, I what was the yellow cards when you got the most in history or something? I think so. Yeah, oh, hundred and twenty something. Guy, what a hack! <laughs> <laughs> Tactical fouls, all of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, mate. I'm sure. And now to close, I've just got a few. Just like it's a it's a four layered question, okay? So I need you to yeah. name me a five aside team of the best players you've played with. Five aside. Yes. Okay, so let me start with goalkeeper. I'm gonna go with our mate Joe Hart. He gets a, he gets a few picks as the boy Hart. He gets a few yeah. picks. Considering he's allegedly washed, he gets a few picks as the boy. I'm trying to think of my formation. It's got to be a one-two-one ahead. So my two midfielders, I know I'm gonna go with David Silva. Mm-hmm. And Steven Gerrard. Oh, sauce. <laughs> oh, defend, the defender on his own is a tough one. Yeah, they're doomed, basically. Um, and the striker's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Vincent Company. I think, defender. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not the worst team so far? No. I'm torn between Tevez, Rooney, and Aguero. <laughs> Look at the problems this guy has to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm torn between those three. Um, I'm going to go with Tevez. Tevez. That's, do you know what? Yes. I bet most people would have said the other two. But I'm yeah, glad you exactly. said it because he was proper. Yeah. He was proper. I think he's, uh, yeah, he's a bit... Bit like myself, bit underrated at times. Yeah, to say the least. So, who would the team be coached by? As in, who was your favourite? Um, I'll go with Martin O'Neill. O'Neill, okay. And which stadium would the game be played in? Um, the old Wembley. And which team and coach would you like to beat? Oof. It's got to be Alex Ferguson, Man United. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you, man. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you've named all those, and that's that's quite yeah. a team, and that's quite a career. So, yeah. like I hinted at before, you've covered some distance. So please, please, please enjoy your rest, because it's an understatement to say that you deserve it. But yeah, Nader, I enjoyed our chat. Thank you very much for having me on. Top, top man, top man, and hopefully, I'll, well. I'll see you in 2021 because I'm coming home. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to it, mate. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you very Cheers, much. Later. Take it easy. See you, bro. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of the most loved and underappreciated players in Premier League history. Oh, and also, let me not ignore the elephant in the room. Yes, I am retiring. And I feel very lucky to be able to step away with a nod of approval from most of those that I've played with and worked with. And also, here's a big one. Thankfully, I'm still an early pick in the training ground five-a-sides. But anyway, to be serious for a moment, let me open up for once. For those that don't know me, I was a mother's boy. She was everything to me. And as well as that, my career meant everything to her. The support she showed me was unmatched. So for me, my life and career changed forever when she died from cancer in 2012. My career never felt the same from that point, and I just didn't enjoy it as much as I did before because she wasn't there with me. So it breaks my heart that she isn't here to celebrate the end of my journey, but I take strength in knowing she was there at the start. But in the void left by her passing, and I found some of my closest friends and my incredible family. So thank you for always being there for me when I needed you the most. I think the career I had wasn't quite as successful as it could have been, but it's still one I'm immensely proud of. So thank you again to all the good people I've met during the journey from teammates to coaches, to fans, to people washing dishes in the cafeteria. You're all invaluable to this beautiful game and I wouldn't have been able to make it this far without you. And so now, as today's episode draws to a close, let me say once again, thank you to all my loved ones, especially my wife, Lucy. I can't wait to begin the next chapter of my life with you. But anyway, Thanks to my good friend Ryan, the podfather. Thank you to Mountain Air Studios, Draper, Utah. And if you're still listening, you already know how much we appreciate you. So bye for now. Speak to you soon.